everybody. Welcome to Atomic Radio Hour, episode 281. That's right, 281 episodes. How are you? You look fantastic. If you are seeing this the weekend it comes out, happy belated Thanksgiving. I'm recording this Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. So I'm going to let you know right now, probably not a super lengthy episode because I have a ton of meal prep to do and i got some friends coming over tomorrow. I do what I like to call transplant Thanksgiving. The only rules are you can't have any uh, family members that live here. You all have to be from different areas. That's what my area seems like, just transplant central. Colorado is actually the broadcasting school capital of, I think, the world or the broadcasting capital of the world because so many people from different places come here. Uh, there's no accent. It's a very neutral accent. So because so many people come from different places, I say, hey, you have family here? No? You going home for Thanksgiving? No? Cool. Come over. You have to bring something, though. That's that's the whole thing. Because last year, I cooked probably about 12 different dishes, and I cooked for like 16 hours straight. Um, and then this year, I said, I'm not doing that again. So instead of 12 different dishes, I'm making about seven or eight. So, welcome to the program. I hope you guys are well. I hope you guys are feeling fantastic. Thank you for joining me this morning, this evening, this night, what have you. I love you. So, if you guys have been here for a minute, you'll know that there was somewhat of a like a meme that I didn't like I Am Legend. And it's not that I don't like I Am Legend. I don't like the ending of it. I don't like both endings of it. And I'm just not a huge Will Smith guy. Never really have been. Like the Fresh Prince as a kid? That's about it. Kyle, who's the source of all of my news, pretty much. I don't really follow anybody. I just have a Kyle in my life. Sent me, I Am Legend's wildly preferred alternate ending will be canon in the movie's upcoming sequels starring Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan. If there's any actor I don't like more than Will Smith, it's Michael B. Jordan. So I can't wait to see this one and see how this one makes me feel. Now, the alternate ending of the movie, I'm going to spoil this movie for you that's already been made into four different movies prior to this one coming out, is... That instead of Will Smith's character blowing himself up at the end of the movie and sacrificing himself for the greater good, the infected, the zombie, whatever, takes his girlfriend that Will Smith's character has been working on, takes him and removes him, excuse me, takes her and removes her from his testing chambers, which makes very little sense, all because of like a butterfly tattoo. And that's the sequel we're gonna we're gonna make based on that. So uh, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to begin with. The zombie creatures never show any sort of compassion. They never show any sort of humanity that's like left inside of them, other than the fact that they need to eat. And one dude who had a vest seemed to be their leader, which I don't really think is humanity. I just think that's pack mentality, and that's just common in animals. But they're making this movie and. I mean, I feel like it writes itself. They're going to run into the to the zombies, and they're not going to like each other, and they're going to find out, and Michael B. Jordan's character is going to be like, oh, I've been surviving all this time without you, and then they run to the zombies, and Will Smith's going to be like, I know this man. But also, I remember hearing that there was two endings, and Will Smith was telling people the ending before it came out, and it became like a thing, and the studio was like, Will, you can't do this. You can't tell people the ending to a movie before it comes out, and they shot the alternate ending. They shot a second ending, and that's the theatrical ending. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard. But how are you going to use the alternative ending that not everybody has seen 
as the basis of your sequel. So does that mean we're going to re-release the movie on streaming services with the alt ending, thus making it the canon ending? Like, what was the boardroom meeting on this? What studio is doing this? Was this written during the writer's strike? I don't know, but I've, I've, I'll link to it. There is, it's a very old episode. What side is it on? It's over here, right? Yeah this way uh it's an old episode it was actually recorded in uh the previous host's kitchen childhood home kitchen and i'll link to that i don't even think there's video on it that's how old it is it's it's a fine movie uh i'm very actually kind of excited to see a sequel i want to see how the cg holds up from one movie to the next and i just kind of want to see what they're doing with this one let me know what you think in the comments below Alright guys, so the meat and potatoes of today's episode is what every episode pretty much is, and that's this week's lore. And I'd like to talk about the lore, but before I do so, I have to talk real quickly about the Patreon. Because of the Patreon, the show continues to grow and get bigger and better and stronger. The fine folks that support the show and give monthly to the Patreon are the reason why the show continues to grow and get bigger and better and stronger. I have a piece of equipment that I'd really, 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 really like to get my hands on that I feel like would make this show run ten times faster. It might even help me with my editing, weirdly enough. Uh, it's it's an all-around piece. It's a central unit. It's, it's uh, I, I need it. Like, I've been needing it since I started the show, and because of that, the Patreon can go to fund that. I would like to get a better... I've talked about all the things I want to buy a billion and six times. The people that I'm about to mention are very special because they want to see the show get better. They believe in the show's ability to get bigger and get better, and I have to thank them. Starting at the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you to Mellow Millhouse. And last, but certainly not least... I have to thank Captain Lennox. Thank you to Captain Lennox. In the description is a link to the Patreon. You can check it out from the $1 tier all the way to the $10 tier. Weekly, your voice is heard. And at the $10 tier, you can listen to these episodes get recorded live in the Discord at the $10 tier, which is the film live before a studio audience tier. You become part of the studio audience. And honestly, you become part of the show. If I say something completely out of my ass, you can be there to say, hey, that was completely out of your ass. And you become another participant. You become another member. You become another person who is on the show, more or less. Thank you to these fine folks. I love you guys very much. Thank you for supporting. So for this week's lore, I wanted to delve into something that was an enemy. I wanted to delve into something that was something you can fight. And honestly, I thought it was going to go one way and not the other, to be completely honest with you. And there was two groups that I picked, two different games that I picked. I picked Fallout 4 and I picked Fallout 3. And I said, do you guys want to hear about Swan or do you want to hear about the Talon Company mercenaries? Now, if you'd like to hear any lore, and I mean any lore from the Fallout series whatsoever, consider joining the Patreon because even at the $1 tier, the lowest tier that I can legally offer to you, I ask a poll weekly and your voice gets heard when it comes time to choose the lore for the week for the podcast. So by way of Patreon this week, I am bringing you the lore on the Talon Company mercenaries from Fallout 3. The Talon Company mercs. They're mercenaries. They're guns for hire. They're people that take jobs that nine times out of ten others won't as long as there's payment. They don't care how the job gets done. As long as their gun gets used, ammo gets dispensed, they then have a little bit of caps in their pockets. They're 
leadership is that of a basic militaristic leadership. It's it's from a commanding order from top to bottom, and their leader is Commander Jabsko. He's the leader of the Talon uh, Company Mercs, and he lives safely in Fort Bannister in the DC ruins. Just just from the way the wiki describes him, and I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, just the way the wiki describes him is very much a man who is posturing for what he's doing. Nothing of, of what he actually believes in, nothing of what he actually says or does is what he believes in. He is doing this because he knows it benefits him in the long run. That being said, he is often referred to as Jetting Jabsko because none of his men have actually seen him in combat and he often flees when things get a little too hectic. Now, I don't ever remember killing him. I must have. Like I said, I have thousands of hours in this game. Uh, but he has a weapon, a unique combat knife on him called Occam's Razor. Uh, and if he's killed before the start of the uh, Broken Steel DLC, you'll miss out on an encounter where Paladin Jensen leads an attack on the, ca- the Talon Company mercs at Fort Bannister. Now, like I said, it's a militaristic chain of command, so it goes Jabsko, everybody else. See what kind of a man he is? Almost every single member of the Talon Company mercs are males. Almost all of them. You can find a couple of dead female Talon Company mercs at the Hall of Commons, the Capitol Building, the Metro Central, the Corvega Factory... And there's chances of a female Talon Company Merc showing up at Fort Bannister or ambushing the Lone Wanderer if your karma is of a high enough level. They come after the goody-goodies, the do-gooders. Like I said, by 2277, they're a Merc group in the Capital Wasteland that not really much is known about them. Uh, but I have an excerpt here. What I have here is an excerpt from the Fallout 3 official guide. This is a paraphrasing of the actual excerpt I'm about to read. The Talon Company is the largest mercenary group in the Wasteland, Ellipses. Currently, an unknown benefactor has hired the Talon Company to hunt down do-gooders. The reason for this are the reasons for this are unknown, but the effect is to keep the Wasteland a lawless place where the guys with the biggest guns make the rules. The Talon Company frequently has the biggest guns. If you can't rule by democracy, diplomacy, with ethics and morals, you can rule by having the biggest gun in the room. Now, sometime between 2275 and 2276, if you speak to Riley of Riley's Rangers, she'll say, look, those fuckers went into a settlement a year or two ago and killed everyone. Women, children, everyone. That's the sort of crap talent company does. All they care about is getting paid. That's what I love so much about Fallout 3 and the DC Wasteland, is that it doesn't feel like a wasteland that is rebuilt, even though it's been 200 years. It feels very much that it is, we are getting by by scraping together our our pennies, our nickels. We're, We're trying to get by as best as we can. And it's whoever is the strongest, the smartest, the most charismatic, who has the money wins. And it feels like, it just feels primitive. It feels primitive in the best way possible for a video game to feel. I'm not saying I'd like to live in a world like this, but I'm saying it feels the way a post-apocalypse should feel, in my opinion. From Galaxy News Radio, you can hear Three Dog Broadcast. I've been getting more and more reports of those mercenary maniacs from Talon Company, especially downtown D.C. area. If you see those hombres, steer clear. Whatever you have, they want... 
and they're not really into asking politely. Word is that they've taken all the contracts all the other mercs won't. In short, there's nothing they won't do. So be careful out there. It's the biggest gun who wins, right? So there's a real problem that if they could get to the Brotherhood of Steel, they can get some of their weapons. They can get more laser equipment, more plasma equipment. They can get Gatling lasers. They can get uh, big miniguns, more rockets. They come well-equipped, and it's very much portrayed that they know how to use their weapons. I wouldn't be surprised if Flak and Shrapnel had a sort of run-in with them at some point in time. It's never stated, but the mind wanders when, you, when it comes to fiction. And I can see the two of them maybe trading with them, not even because of Rivet City, but just trading with them in their past lives as slavers, as raiders. Some of the weapons that they like to have are police batons, combat shotguns, laser rifles, Chinese assault rifles, sniper rifles, missile launchers, combat knives, 32 caliber pistols, and pulse grenades. That's kind of the basic array of what they have. Uh, you can find them. There is one... I believe it's the Talon Company Recon Camp. You can find them with robots. So it's not even like they're they're not opposed to using something to help them when it's an automaton, when it's in a machine. Now, if you have a high enough karma, they'll come after you. They come after you because they want to keep the, the do-gooders, the goody-goodies, on, on the low. They want to make sure that that doesn't exist so they can have full control. Some of the attacking locations for a Lone Wanderer player is uh, outside in the wastes, there's a couple different places. There's a couple general places that'll just spawn and happen to you. There is also the Northwest Metro near Arafu, near Rivet City, near Tenpenny Tower, Warrington Location, near Megaton Jury Street Metro Station, the Super Duper Mart, and near Riley's Rangers Headquarters. They have a couple of places that you can storm. Like I said prior, there is Fort Bannister, which you can you can storm yourself, or you can watch the Brotherhood attempt to do something with Paladin Jennings. Fort Bannister being their HQ, the SATCOM Array NW-05A. You probably know this. If you've played 10 minutes of Fallout 3, if you've seen any memes about Fallout 3, you know this is where the FU door is. A door that is so infamous in my friend group that I had a friend who lived two doors down from one of his best friends, was playing Fallout 3, found that door in like 08, 09, ran down the street, grabbed him, pulled him into his house and goes, look how funny this is. They have it in... They have it in Fallout 4. I know there's a Securitron when you open the door and I'm pretty sure it says you look nice today does not hit the same as the FU door. But this is where the FU door is. There is a ghoul woman there, a ghoul scientist, who has managed to rig the way the electronics work in the SATCOM array to link up to other SATCOMs that are in the area. And because of this, because of hoarding caps over two, two centuries worth of time, she has paid them off to protect her. And she is slowly trying to get all of these SATCOM arrays working with each other. There's also just the Talon Company camp. It's an unmarked location northwest of Greyditch. Uh, it's inside a dilapidated building. There's some things to find. There is a flag, which behind me uh, right now is the flag. Take a look. Isn't that cool? I kind of want that tattooed on me somewhere. Not quite sure where. Probably the back of my skull would be dope. I don't know why it's a baby, but... It, for those who can't see, it's an eagle, but instead of a, a face of an eagle, it's a, it's a skull, and then in the Talon is a baby. Again, I don't know why the baby is there, but he's dope. There's also the Talon Company Recon Camp, another unmarked location, southwest of the Arlington Library, the Capitol Building. 
they've been presumably, and this isn't a fact or anything, but it's, it's, it's presumable that they are trying to take over the Capitol building. Uh, but it's a battle between them, the Talon Company Mercs, the Super Mutants, and later the Enclave shows up. There's also Tacoma Park, and Tacoma Park is actually one of my like most favorite locations in Fallout 3, because it's one of those that I always forget is there. I don't believe the base game, and I'm saying this sans DLC, I don't believe base game there's any reason for you to go there other than exploring. And it's what DC looks like, to me in my mind. Uh, it's got a little bit of a hill, there's the thrifty, the nifty thrifty pawn shop that's there, there's... It just feels like when I was walking around D.C. many a year ago. And I love the way it feels. It feels very like down-home America. Not the suburbs, not the city. It's just an area that I enjoy. It's got a little bit of a small shopping center. And there's a chance for the Talon Company Mercs to spawn out of a couple of buildings. That's all of my written notes. That's actually the end of this book. So 262 to 281... Like I said, I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the new Wikipedia, if you will. There's a few things I'd like to just double check if you guys don't mind. Because, like, Mr. Burke can actually use Talon Company to put a hit out on your head if you warn Lucas Sims about the rigging of the bomb or just disarm the bomb in Megaton. If you have Broken Steel installed, there's a couple uh, random encounters you could find Talon Company works fighting over cases of Aqua Pura. And a little bit behind the scenes from you, a direct quote from the Fallout wiki. In a GameSpy article acting as an early preview of the game, Pete Hines was said to have stated that the humans going up against the mutant occupiers were mercenaries working for the Talon Corporation, referring to them as a corporation rather than a company. This may have been a, this may have been a misprint as the article does not provide a direct quote from Hines. It's pretty much all I have. They're a super interesting part of the world i do wish they were a little more fleshed out i wish there was a little more about jabsco even if it was terminal entries it's 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 the cardinal sin of fallout 3 i know you know we all know you want more than there is and i like that there's not a lot because it just leaves a little taste of it on your tongue but i can see why it's frustrating for some people that's about everything i have for you i hope you've enjoyed because that is this week's lore Alright guys, we're almost out of here. Like I said, it is Thanksgiving tomorrow, so I have a ton of things I have to prepare. I have many a box of uh, cornbread to make, chicken cutlets to prepare, and what have you. So we're going to just talk about a couple of quick things real quick, all quick-like. The first thing I want to talk about is the most important issue we have in today's society. And that is Fortnite. And Eminem is coming to Fortnite, and it's so dumb that I love it. Fortnite has just had the biggest spike of people to ever play it, and now Marshall Mathers, the spaghetti man himself, is going to be in Fortnite. And my dumbass might just buy it day one, not think anything of it, and play as Marshall in Fortnite. I can't believe it is 2023, about to be 2024, and I genuinely give a damn about Fortnite, to the point that I'm talking about it on my goddamn podcast. If you're playing, let me know. Maybe we get some w's as the kids say i just wanted to talk about that quick because of how dumb it is but something else i want to talk about something that i really really love uh and it's kind of doesn't make sense to me why it's coming back i mean it does but why is uh the last of us 2 remastered a game that came out only four or five years ago 
one of my favorite games that I've ever played from Naughty Dog Official on Twitter. The Last of Us Part 2 Remasters comes to PS5 on January 19th featuring no return no return roguelike mode. And I had to read that a couple times, even right there. The way Kyle described that to me is a roguelike version of the game for just combat stuff. This makes me want to play this because of the combat being so good in Last of Us 2 that it's more combat, but you are given random weapons and random equipment throughout it. There's also a Lost Levels with dev commentary, so apparently more of the game that we didn't get to play that the developers are going to be talking about. Guitar free play, fine. Graphical enhancements, of course. Dual Sense integration, and more to come. Now, the Dual Sense integration gets me a little excited because if you've ever played... I was actually... When I... When I, uh, I got to see Kyle recently. And when I got to see Papa... Uh, uh, he went to his house and we were playing. I was playing on his PlayStation Five, and we were playing this like teardown game. It's like a like a like a like a robbery game, but it's also uh, like a physics game. It, it was cool, and the triggers. I always forget how the triggers work on the Dual Sense because they quite literally just um, give you feedback that you feel like, oh, I'm driving this truck. I can. It feels like. The truck is vibrating on that side and like I'm putting my foot on the pedal. It feels genuine like that, which is cool, which is great, which is fantastic. And I can't wait to like shoot a bow in The Last of Us 2 with that. Is it worth 70 bucks? I don't know. I wouldn't say so, but who knows? It's one of my favorite games of all time. Are you guys going to buy it? I'd love to play it again. I was actually just saying recently to somebody, I was like, yeah, I really feel like the time is now to play The Last of Us 2 again. Don't know why. just feels like a proper time. I like The Last of Us 2 quite a bit. That's all I really have for you guys this week. Thank you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed the show. The intro music is by the one and only Shane Ivers. You can get the song Feather Duster, which is the intro song, at his website, silvermansounds.com slash free music for all of his heaters. Or you can throw in a little Slash Feather Duster to get the intro song. The title track, if you will. In the description is a link to the Patreon. Give it a check if you'd like to become more of a part of the show. A bigger presence in the community. And while you're checking out the community, check out the Discord. There's links down there to the Gulman Entertainment Discord. Love to see you there. There is a link to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, and Kyle's Twitter. And the Redbubble as well. I hope you guys are safe and happy. I hope if you're in the States and celebrating, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you're around people that you love and you care about. And I hope to see you very, very shortly. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. This has been a production made by your friends at Gulman Entertainment.